0: Hello and welcome to James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene. I am Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brim. And today we are talking about the very first scene of the movie. I'm so excited to get into this. Yeah, me too. Uh <laughs> oh, so excited to break this down and, you know, share some different perspectives and uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. I'm interested to hear Mm -hmm. your perspective too, because I've never really sat down and talked to someone else (laughs) about this movie. I'm just always, you know, shouting my thoughts at nothing.
1: And it's cool to like go over it scene by scene because you really get to analyze it on a different level. Whereas you write a review, like I write movie reviews and. You know, you have, like, a few paragraphs or, like, a couple pages, but, like, it's cool to actually be able to have, like... It's like a book discussion.
0: Really just, you know, breaking down what works, maybe what doesn't work. I don't know. In my opinion, everything works. I'm the number one Titanic apologist. (laughs) I will go to bat for this movie. (laughs) You know, so if anyone's listening to this podcast, I hope that this maybe brings... different perspective to you Mm -hmm. uh, about Titanic uh, and everything that is actually here in the movie, because there is a lot to talk about. So without further ado, let's get into this. So we are following the original DVD release uh, scene selection. And according to that release, there are 30 scenes and we're going by that layout and those scene titles as well. So, the first scene on that scene selection is titled, well, the first one is titled Logos, but that's just the very intro. Uh, and then Let's talk the, about Logos for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, I mean, that is important to talk about, too. I do have that's some true, notes about true. it. <laughs> but but yeah, the, the first real scene is called Ghost Ship. Mm-hmm. But right before that, yeah, there are the Logos. Um, and I do think this is important. It's footage of the Titanic that we see later on in the movie. Oh, yeah. I thought it was real. Yeah, a lot of people are under the impression <laughs> that it's real footage. And then I read uh, that
1: it was not, and I was like, whoa, that's bizarre. I thought it was real footage.
0: No, cool. but but I think it's effective. It's really effective. Um, it is. Because people try to argue that this movie isn't actually about the Titanic, that it's just a love story set on the Titanic, but I think opening the movie with that footage and the... And the haunting score that's just so beautiful, mm-hmm. it really sets the tone of what the movie is actually about, which the movie is actually about Titanic and the experience of being on the Titanic.
1: And he was hoping to use original footage, but there was none at the time, <laughs> is what I read. Um, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. I think it definitely works every time I see this opening. I'm like, okay, here we go. It's uh-huh. i'm I'm watching Titanic. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, this is Titanic.
1: Yeah, it's a great montage.
0: Yeah, it's like, I'm about to feel a lot of emotions about everything that's happening right now. Yeah, like right away, like these these short little clips are um very powerful, very impactful. Mm-hmm. So right after these logos, we get the title card of Titanic. Is it written in Times New Roman because I think it is.
1: You yeah, know it's not, is it?
0: <laughs> I think it is. Uh,
1: I hope so because that's the best font, by the way.
0: I'm I a font enthusiast.
1: Times New Roman, top notch.
0: They used a really cool font for all the promo, like the um, the metal mm-hmm. looking font. Yeah, like yeah. that would have been kind of cool, but maybe that would have been that would have been too harsh of a of yeah. a font maybe for the um, yeah, for the opening it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they like they're trying to go for a really a sentimental opening the title card comes up over footage of the rolling sea you know so
1: yeah it would have it would not have worked if it was like terminator font or something <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it would have been a little off putting so <laughs> times new roman it is so it's very interesting this is something so we're getting into the present day story here. Which, in my opinion, might be the most important key to this movie's success.
1: Yeah. No, 100%. It grounds you. Mm-hmm. It grounds you and, and you kind of see the, the mystery and you see somebody being invested in and someone else who wasn't involved in the ship be kind of glued to this mystery and glued Mm -hmm. to this uh disaster
0: and something interesting a lot of titanic detractors you know they try to say that you know the movie would have been better off either only taking place in 1912 just telling the story as it was uh you know very black and white like this was the history Mm -hmm. this is this like these are all the real people My mom told me she'll never forget when she went to see it in the theater and these submersibles came on the screen. Her first Mm. thought was, wait, is this a documentary? Yeah. And she got so upset. She was like, I don't want to watch a documentary. I mean, there you go. I think that's important. It's like the masses wouldn't have connected as much if it was just a documentary. This present day... Story provides that human element and it connects newer generations to 1912 in a way that we can all relate to Mm. it's super important to make sure it's all connected and that the audience can relate in this way so what i mean by that in relation to like this opening scene is you know these shots of the actual wreck
1: and they used the actual shots
0: yeah it well actually it's a seamless blend of um miniatures they mixed it right and actual footage uh which also right there there's a testament to some great editing and great it's
1: crazy you can't even tell
0: yeah great filmmaking there i mean just seamless you cannot tell yeah it's this aspect of seeing the ship in this state and it makes you want to see what it used to be like Without this element, I think it would just be, you know, just dropping us straight into 1912. We lose, you kind of lose that mystery.
1: Yeah, and it feels more like a movie. It feels more like you're just watching uh, just like a regular old movie, whereas connecting it to this present time, it feels haunting. You're looking Mm -hmm. at this disaster and then it, it takes you into the mindset of, man, this stuff was just sitting at the bottom of the ocean. But then, like right after that, you're looking at the beautiful ship and all the scenes and all the set pieces. Mm -hmm. um, It's just crazy. Uh, It's insane to think that people don't want that.
0: uh, Exactly, yeah. It it it,
1: just connects you, mm -hmm. and you really feel you feel the magnitude of the disaster. Whereas, Mm -hmm. I mean, and you can you can feel it later on too. But it's so necessary to get the the uh, the full picture, the full scope of what happened.
0: Mm -hmm. When you're watching it, Brock, well, of course, we meet Brock Lovett, who's played by Bill Paxton, RIP. Mm -hmm. Um, This feels very organic. It feels, like, very natural. It feels like you're watching people genuinely exploring the ship, which you are, to a degree. So it really connects you to, like, wow, like, these are just real people, like, exploring this real shipwreck. And right away, you're like, wow, like, this isn't just a movie. This, This happened. Like, this is real. Yeah and that element is so important and in addition to that once they actually start exploring inside the ship you know even before that when they're riding past the decks of the ship you know commending the you know sound editing and everything yeah. they edit in like you can hear some violins, and you can hear some screaming.
1: Even the piano, like right when they pass the piano, they play a little piano riff. Yep, so and cool. you
0: and you can hear like women and children, f-, like you like you can you can hear you know slightly these things, and then yep with the piano, it's like oh we're at the piano, but you know they they ride ba- by it and you just hear the do 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 or whatever. It? Yeah,
1: Brock, uh, we're at the piano. Are you copy? Okay, copy that. It's haunting. It's
0: haunting. It's like these... Yeah. It's just pulling you in more and more about the fact that this was a place that used to be alive and, and this happened to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you get that even more when they ride past... pair of leather boots in the you know because the pressure the water pressure is so heavy down there which they also explain to us Mm. as they're exploring you know Brock uh, says
1: dive six here we are again on the deck of Titanic two
0: and a half miles down three thousand eight hundred and twenty-one meters pressure outside is three and a half tons per square inch these windows are nine inches thick, and if they go, it's R in two microseconds. And so once you get in there, you know, the only thing left of the passengers that went down with the ship are things like shoes, you know, are things that can withstand the pressure of, mm-hmm. of being at the bottom of the ocean. So, like, when you see a pair of shoes together, that is most likely a person died right there. Yeah. So it's like you see that and then you see like a pair of eyeglasses right next to the boots yeah. and then they pan over and you see a porcelain baby doll head.
1: Yeah, that's weird, yeah. And
0: right away, you know that that belonged to a kid. So it's, yeah. it's... All of this is so effective of like making you realize that it's not just a shipwreck, it's a gravesite.
1: And that's before you have any characters from the ship to connect with yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just seeing... This is not just... Those two people, Jack and Rose. It's all these people. It's Mm -hmm. however many, hundreds of, of, probably a couple thousand people on there. um it's crazy.
0: It's so powerful and it works so well. You know, it blows my mind that people like can't see how important this element is to the movie. It's insane. It's perfect, and and this footage, I think. It's what helps continue to birth more Titanic enthusiasts, right? Because if Mm -hmm. if the movie was only about, you know, it started in 1912 and it ended in 1912 and there was no connection from the past and the present and we didn't get to see the actual ruins of the ship and understand that this was real. Some people don't even know that Titanic was a real ship, even after seeing this movie. (laughs) So at least they have this in here. So it's like, wow, wait this was real like like and and then that sparks interest in it and you know that interest might not have been there if you know you didn't get to see this aspect of it you know if we talk about the characters here uh the present day characters Mm -hmm. a lot of people uh say that Brock lovett is kind of james cameron putting himself into the movie in a way exploring the wreck and in my eyes though i sort of see brock as the people who close themselves off from the emotional elements of Titanic mm-hmm. because, you know, he's just going down there looking for this diamond. and Well, we don't know that yet. Um, we know that towards the end of this scene. He's just looking for this diamond. He doesn't care really about what actually happened uh, at yeah. the shipwreck and that it is a gravesite. You know, he's just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's a sunken ship. Let's just try to find this buried treasure sort of thing. I really like thinking about his character in terms of it being you know titanic naysayers about the movie yeah. or just you know people that don't understand you know the magnitude of the situation because of course setting up his character in that way is a payoff for the ending and it's you know like we said in the introduction episode this movie is like built on setups and payoffs um which you know we're going to uh, touch upon but yeah i mean Another character in the present day is, of course, uh, Louis Bodine, who is played by Louis Abernathy, who was really just a friend of James Cameron's, and he wrote this character with Louis Abernathy in mind, but I guess he couldn't find an actor to play him good enough, so he's like, you know what, why don't you just play the character? (laughs) Um, That's cool. Which I think is really nice, because it comes across as so authentic, right? He's just this guy that's just in this movie. like the
1: Seth Rogen type guy? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize that was his name, but that's yeah. super cool.
0: Like, his real name is Lewis, and the character's name
1: is Lewis. He's so blunt and just, like, matter-of-fact about the whole wreck.
0: Yep. They're able to put in comedic moments through him that amazingly don't feel offensive <laughs> like yeah. you understand that that's how this character is he's just super flippant and like just not yeah flippant. Yeah. and and that's the whole point it's like these present-day characters go through a journey of understanding yeah. the magnitude of the ship of so it, it, it is you know it makes sense that they would be cracking jokes and doing all of this in the ship and you know not really fully understanding uh what it's all about until they Sit down and learn from someone about it. He says things like, "Oops, somebody left the water running about the tub." Uh, once they go in one of the rooms, and a bunch of small things like that.
1: Question. Question. Yeah. How, what is your opinion on the Bill Paxton's performance
0: in this? Oh, <laughs> it's a little weak.
1: Okay, I thought it's like one of the weakest. The scene's so necessary, and it's a great scene. But yeah, his performance, I think, and I and I like him in other stuff. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, his performance in this is a little weaker. Yeah. I don't know if maybe it's the lines he's given mm-hmm. or or what. James Cameron is kind of n- notorious, and I don't always agree with this, but he's n- kind of notorious for having weaker dialogue. Not yes. not lines because he has really good like lines, like they really good quotes, um, mm-hmm. like. Well thought out, but the back and forth stuff, a lot of it is kind of... uh it, it, It's not as contemporary as people want it to be. It's very kind of old school, which is why it works a little bit better on the ship. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, the modern scenes, you can feel that he's inspired by older movies and it doesn't really work. The dial- the back and forth.
0: Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I get like that. Like, in the
1: later scenes, the stuff Old Rose says does, but, like, the stuff Bill Paxton says on top of just, like, I think he has a weaker performance, it kind of comes off that way. But Yeah, um,
0: and, yeah, it's interesting that you say that because one of the things people come down really hard on Titanic about is the screenplay and and the script. I mean, I'm not as personally bothered by it, especially, you know, in the
1: 1912
0: part of the movie because, you know, we've said before, like, this movie was written and sort of conceived in the style of old Hollywood epics yeah. and old Hollywood epics I mean like if we're being real here I mean they were super melodramatic and yeah. they were pretty overacted and yeah. pretty cheesy I mean and
1: like the lines were not realistic and stuff. at <laughs> all
0: at all. Yeah. Like, no one talks the way people talk in old Hollywood epics, but, yeah. you know, no one knocks like, their Pasa place Blanca, in history.
1: Gone with the Wind. Yeah, but they're still important movies.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's like no one discredits them the yeah. way that people feel like they can discredit Titanic. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I, right. I resent that. Yeah,
1: no, Totally. I mean that's why like James Cameron's movie Terminator 2 works so well because Schwarzenegger isn't a good actor and (laughs) like he had then he doesn't get a lot of dialogue and he's a stiff character but it works because like James Cameron doesn't have to write a ton of dialogue for him and Schwarzenegger doesn't have to act a whole lot so yeah (laughs) that's why it works so well but uh yeah I don't know yeah Paxton was a little bit weaker but that's he's probably one of the only weak uh, like, performances.
0: Yeah, he delivers the lines very, like, slowly, and... Totally, uh, totally, And, you know, some of his facial expressions are a little bit, you know... He's yeah. you know, a little
1: smarmy, too. But he has, like, the... He has the ego down, I think, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I know what you
0: mean. But then I like the way they have someone like Louis Bodine yeah, to bounce good. off of him because he's so authentic and just like yeah. he's just there. He literally is just a guy that was thrown into the movie, yeah. you know. So it's I mean, there's a good balance. Like there's there's still you, I still believe it. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah, 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 yeah. I, it, they they still sold it to me. So basically, yeah. I mean. This whole uh, exploration opening scene, it ends with them, we we hear them talking about certain past characters they're like oh that's Hockley's bed that's where the Mm. SOB slept
1: yeah and you don't know these people are really yet yeah we don't know who these people
0: are and you know they're going into the the suite like oh we got to get in that door like get in there and they're saying little things like we're heading down the grand stairwell and they're you Mm. know saying these things that later we will see come to life Mm -hmm. so they end up in this suite I think this is one of the weaker acting moments i think from bill paxton where he's like yeah that wardrobe door get closer yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> the, definitely
1: that, yeah that stood out to me too
0: yeah and he's and he's yeah. tilting his head and he's he's squinting his eyes and he's like i want to see what's under it <laughs> but then you but then you mm-hmm. got Louis bodine being like give me my hands man <laughs> yeah
1: like he's done that before yeah you can tell. yeah
0: And he's, you know, using the technology and everything to to flip the door. And then we see that there is a safe uh, that is underneath this door. This scene ends on the DVD with...
1: Oh, baby, baby, are you seeing this, boss? It's payday, boys.
0: Yep. And that's the end of Ghost Ship. That's cool. Any thoughts?
1: yeah i mean he so the reason why cameron i guess used part replicas and part actual footage is because i guess the deep sea camera yeah can only hold like 12 minutes of footage at a time yep each dive took like several hours to go to drop know, de- down set it up to go down mm-hmm. and then to come back up um and they had to do 12 total so he was like this is does not cost efficient uh, mm-hmm. so he had to create like a i think it was one thirty third yeah, it was like a smaller model. scale model, yeah. Yeah, and so he did that and then um, kind of blended that with the real stuff seamlessly, I think.
0: They had, like, smoke in the room to, like, simulate the the murky, like, mm-hmm. water and everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. So um, that was really fun.
0: And since, you know, the pressure is so bad down there, yeah. they had to create a camera, like, a camera that didn't exist. Yeah. They had to build a camera that could withstand the pressure to go down yeah. there. Yeah. It's such a small amount of footage, yeah, just only twelve minutes uh, each dive or whatever. So I mean, right there again, it's like you got to appreciate the lengths they went to to make this movie. I mean, yeah. who else would have cared enough to do that?
1: And the studio probably was not happy about it at the time. But, yeah, uh, but hey, it sure paid off. Now they're <laughs> they're rolling in it. So yeah, I do also want to say this is the fourth of five collaborations between Bill Paxton and James Cameron. Yep, uh, Paxton was in Terminator, Aliens true lies and then the documentary the 2003 documentary uh, Titanic Ghost of the Abyss
0: actually I do have a tiny bit of trivia the baby doll head that they Mm -hmm. show that whole scene with like the actual like belongings that they pass that is simulated um so it's not at the actual wreck but it was inspired obviously by stuff that was found at the actual wreck and when Robert Ballard discovered the Titanic in like 85 or whatever, he photographed uh, a porcelain baby doll head at the wreck. So, you know, Cameron was inspired by that and put it in. Um, And also this is actually a subtle setup for a later scene that some people don't notice. There's so many setups and payoffs. (laughs) Whether they're grand and very noticeable or they fly under the radar, um, they're all over the place.
1: Is there an extended version of the movie, like a a release or no? Or is this just like the main one?
0: Yeah, this is the main one. I don't think that there's ever been an actual. I mean, there's like 30 cut deleted scenes or something. I know.
1: That's good, though, because I like to know, like, I like watching the theatrical versions.
0: Yeah, there were some people that recommended that we should discuss the deleted scenes too, but I was like, I think it's it's more important to discuss what the world knows. You know what I mean? Like what what the general Um, public consumed as Titanic.
1: Like you fill it in as like trivia, maybe if it's relevant.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like so.
1: Oh, for this one, I did. um, I read about a deleted scene where I guess like Brock's man manager was supposed to, like, inform him that they're, like, over budget and that the, like, investment partners are mad at him and they're going to, like, shut them down. And it's funny because, like...
0: A.K.A. James Cameron.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Cameron later on in production, he didn't know this was going to happen. Like, they were, like, threatening. Like, he had to give up, like, $8 million just to get certain things... Accomplished,
0: but again, that shows how dedicated he was to it. He gave up his paycheck. I think. Yeah,
1: it's what. Well, yeah, as like I said, it wasn't just a cash grab with like a, you know an agenda. He had passion behind it, and that's why that's why I like James Cameron because his stuff is always passion driven. And there's not mm-hmm. a lot of filmmakers who who still do that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, for someone to say, I, I think I, I was just watching a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff, he was like, I don't care if this movie doesn't make a dime, I don't care if I don't get paid for it, I just want to make the best yeah. movie I can, exactly. and I want the finished product to be what it needs to be, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you gotta respect that. Yeah. Yeah, so, anything else before we I think that's it. move for on me. to the next scene? All right, well, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. I'm really excited to break this down further. It's We're, mm-hmm. we're getting into really good stuff now as it goes uh, along here at the next scene. Very excited to get to this stuff. So yeah. thank you guys for listening and we'll see you in the next scene.
1: See ya.